the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter, preaching the inaugural sermon of the church age, says in verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up whereof we are all witnesses. And because Christ is risen, sin has been paid for, salvation is possible. Verse 38 of Acts 2, Peter says, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do you know, repent, believe, be saved, that wonderful offer still goes out to the world today, that we can have new life through a relationship with Jesus. Well, this is Exploring the Word. Uh, Bert and Alex here, New Testament book of Acts chapter 2. If you can get a Bible, turn to Acts, and we're going to continue. And we're so honored that you're listening. But Bert, most of all, we're excited about the Word of God and the message of salvation, which is still the most relevant message in the world today. It really is. And Acts chapter 2 is a place, you know, you dwell down, uh, we, we talked about going through the book of Acts, but we knew in certain chapters we would need to drill down deeply. And this is one of them, Acts chapter 2. Uh, the day of Pentecost had fully come. The Holy Spirit came upon those who were there as believers. They heard and they spoke all those great thoughts of the Word of God. Peter would take that opportunity and preach the first inaugural sermon that we have here after the resurrected Lord was uh, had come and gone to heaven and the Holy Spirit came. Alex, Acts chapter 2 is one of those chapters, as you've already suggested here, like verse 32, that Jesus Christ has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Peter mm. made it declared that Jesus is risen indeed. That's the message. And all through the book of Acts, starting here, that is the message that Paul would talk about, and they would listen to him. But when they got to the resurrection, I want to tell you, there's a few of them that backed off. But those who had seen the risen Lord, let me tell you, they stuck to their guns. They stayed with it. The Holy Spirit of God leading them. Alex, it's a great story. Jesus' death burial and resurrection. What a story. Well, it is the greatest story ever told, and it's not just a story, and it's even more than history, although it is objective reality, uh, but it's personal. And we hope it's your story that you know Christ, not just know about him, but really know him, and that can happen today. We often say this, but Jesus is as close by as a prayer. You know, it goes on. We talked yesterday about the fact that it was in the fulfillment of prophecy in Psalm 16 and how in the Old Testament it was prophesied that the Messiah would be on the, the throne of David. He would not decompose in the grave. He would, he would rise, which Jesus did. And we talked about how Jesus ascended into heaven, something King David couldn't do. But Peter gets down to what... Every good preacher will, every good evangelist, every preacher will, will know. In verse 37, they were pricked in their hearts. This is called conviction. Uh, 
Uh, it is good to be pricked in your heart when you need to turn from sin. Um, Bert, let me just say this. The the world is talking very much about the, the homegoing of Pat Robertson. And, um, you know, this famous leader, Christian Broadcasting Network, Regent University. I met him. I, I was on his program, and I gave some interviews earlier today. But a lot of the comments are very hateful, and people, I was reading some of the things, people said, he made people feel bad about themselves. Well, I don't know about that, but if, if people felt convicted for over sin, that's good. That's what a minister is supposed to do. Um, and let me just say, if you're pricked in your heart about whether or not you've surrendered your life to Jesus, Peter does a good job turning and giving what we we say is a call to action. But Bert, um, feeling bad about sin, um, oh, that's man. actually the best thing that could happen to us. It really, really is, Alex. And so the, the New King James says, cut to the heart. I mean, he mm. it the gospel cuts right through all of that and brings you to the point of them asking, what shall we do? What, listen, that's awesome. When your heart has led you to the point of saying, what do I need to do? What shall I do? What an opportunity. And Peter did not waste it. And you've already read verse 38. He said, this is what you do. You come to Christ. You repent. We had a caller the other day is asking about this repentance. You change your mind, which leads to what? Change of direction. It leads to change in your life. Uh, listen, uh, all things have become new according to what Paul said in the church to Corinth. Listen, if your life has not been changed to the point of going in a new direction, changing your mind about sin, changing your mind about the Lord being Lord of your life, uh, then you're lacking. And here these men said, what do we need to do? Alex, mm. uh, when that when that is said to us today, we need to have the ready answer that Peter had. Uh, he wasn't Amen. on the Larry King live where he had to rethink it and said he had a cold. No, if you don't know what that means, I'm not going to bring it up. That's just old hash. And I remember someone being on there and they was asking what they had to do. And uh, the answer was not good. And there was reasons behind it, I'm supposed. But let me just share with you, Peter gave the right answer. Alex, doesn't the Bible say we need to be ready to give an answer of the faith that's in us? We do. We, we do. We often say this, uh, I, I say this in teaching, whether it be teaching apologetics or teaching evangelism, uh, present, explain, defend. But I want to say this. Let me read something. This is just so beautiful. And I know there are people listening and you're concerned about your church growing. Um, there may be some ministers listening and you, you want to see your church grow. Um, you've got to, as they say in sales, ask for the order. Now, I know the gospel and ministry is not sales, but in a way, uh, there are definitely principles that relate to sales and persuasion. Now, I know it's the Spirit of God that draws, convicts, and converts, but listen how Peter preaches, and this is just masterful. Peter says, repent, that means turn, we've talked about that, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and really, in the English, it says, for the remission of sins, it's the Greek, upon the remission of sins, okay? So, upon 
well, let me just say this. Let me take a little side trail here. Yeah, you need to because this is Galatians one of those areas, 3. Yeah. This is a we get a lot of questions on this. The New Testament uses the word baptize in two senses. One, upon believing in Jesus, you are baptized into Christ. You are in Christ when you call on the name of the Lord for salvation. Then, to identify with the church and make a public proclamation of the faith that you've put in Christ, you can be water baptized. So this is not baptismal salvation going into the waters of baptism. This is, you've got to look at the whole, the totality of what the New Testament says about salvation. You repent, you believe, you are in Christ, uh, and the remission of sins takes place, and you get full of the Holy Spirit. Bert, you and I could and probably should preach a week on Acts 2, verse 38. But here's where Peter, as a good evangelist, Peter asks for the order. He calls his people to a decision. Verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he did testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Um, Bert, one of the greatest things that I ever got to do um, in the year 2000, I went to Amsterdam 2000. The Billy Graham ministry put on a big conference, and Franklin Graham gave a tutorial. Now, Billy Graham was going to be there, uh, but Billy Graham later addressed the group via video from the Mayo Clinic. He was in the hospital. But Franklin Graham, it was so precious. I cherish this class I was in. Franklin Graham said, I'm going to teach you how to give an invitation just as my father taught me. And Franklin Graham, this is August of 2000, he he talked about how to preach the gospel, and then ask people, invite people to come to Christ. And so I, I say this for, for pastors and those listening, um, present, explain, maybe even defend, but then ask for the order. Give people an opportunity and say, maybe today, right now today, you can settle where you stand with God. You can accept Christ today. Uh, you can join this church today. Maybe you're a believer, but you, you've you already come to the Lord, but you need to come back to the Lord. Bert, don't you think in our personal evangelism, and certainly in the pulpit on Sunday morning, w- that we really do need to call people to a response? I agree with you, Alex. Uh, people call it an altar call. It's a response. People call it an invitation. But it is responding to the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what it is, and you give that opportunity. Again, that's what we do. Salvation, church membership, yes, uh, a closer walk with the Lord. And even, listen, when it's coming time for illnesses and stuff, and say, listen, uh, the church, we want to pray for you, and those gather around. I, I love an altar full of people seeking God, not for show, but seeking God with all their heart. Now, notice what happens after that was done in verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word was baptized. That day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. What a day that was. 3,000 souls added to the church. 
And you'll find that again and again in the scriptures, especially in the first chapters of 1 through 10, just thousands of coming to Christ because they were a ready-made audience, Alex. These mostly were Jews, and many of them knew that there was a promise of Messiah. And then when Peter is preaching through the power of the Holy Spirit, they respond, they know it is the Jesus is that Messiah, and they come to him, and 3,000 souls were added to them. And notice it says, those who gladly received him. Now, again, gladly, now listen, the joy of the Lord was in their heart, and they was thankful that they could be redeemed. We pray that those who are listening today that's never been redeemed, that you would ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. We'll be back with more right after this break. Amen. This could be the day. You better be ready. Jesus could return at any time. Now, in Acts chapter 2, I want to come to one of the greatest verses. I think this is the reason we said in Acts 2, we'll have to slow down going through Acts. I was talking to someone, and they said uh, they took about three months to get through Acts chapter 2, preaching on Sunday mornings. That's a lot of sermons, but they're there. But let's go to verse 42. And Alex, I just want to use two words and see what you think about them. Continued steadfastly. And they continued steadfastly. Listen, I think those are marching orders for you and me and every believer. We need to continue steadfastly in the Lord, don't we? Amen. Amen. We need to continue steadfastly in the Lord. There is something to be said for consistency, isn't it? There really is. And here it is. And there, you're going to hear four things that the early church did straight up. This is what they did. Listen to it carefully. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. These apostles were teaching those that what Jesus had taught them. Now, under the power of the Holy Spirit, they continued in fellowship. They shared, and in a moment, you'll see in verse 44 and following, they had all things in common. They continued in fellowship, praying for one another, caring for one another, talking with one another, helping one another, in breaking of bread. Now, again, this is probably a love feast. It's a Lord's Supper, continuation of, of, of sharing together, being together, helping one another, and in prayers. Now, Alex, I want to ask you, has anything of those four changed in 2023? No, it's still, and th this is one of the beautiful things that here in the 21st century, we're doing the same things the church was called to do and did in the first century. Isn't that something? And, uh, you know, there's never been anything as permanent as the church of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. It's just, and it's such, um, well, people want purpose. I know this week at youth camp, one of the most common questions I got, you know, what is God's will for my life? Everybody wants purpose, and like in verse 42, continuing steadfastly, uh, that's like the word in Jude 3, earnestly contending for the faith. Well, we continue in what it means to be a disciple. You and I, we somehow or another, you and I talk a lot about finishing well, yeah, don't we? We do. 
And uh, folks, um, don't throw in the towel. Luke 18, 1, always pray and not give up. Galatians 6, 9, in due season you will reap if you don't faint, don't quit, don't give up. And so let's keep on keeping on the very same thing the Christians have done for 2,000 years to know Christ and grow in Christ. Um, When I read verse uh, 43, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. All right, fear coming upon every soul, not paranoia, but uh, the reverence of God, conviction. It's a move of God. We've read about and heard about Asbury this year and many other places. When the presence of the Lord and the awareness of God falls on a community and and a region. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It really is. And let's talk about fear. Uh, It's Again, it's not that paranoia fear, but it is knowing that you're standing in the presence of God. He is holy. You remember what happened to Moses when God appeared to him at the burning bush? I mean, he he turned aside to see this sight, and God said, you know, take off your sandals, your shoes, your own holy ground. In the presence of God, there's this, uh, again, and, and the fear that the way we use fear sometimes, afraid of the dark or afraid of a boogeyman is so. No, but it is not fear, like that. That's not like that. But it is, you're standing in an awesome power, knowing that this is a God that you're accountable to. Now, that's part of it, Alex. Listen, I I stand before God, yes, praising him in all of who he is, but also standing in in front of him, knowing that one day I'm going to give an account of what I've done with what he's given me. Uh, Amen. There's that balance of, of, you know, yeah, I know the Lord. He's the man upstairs. No, he's the God who has made us, who has redeemed us, who one day will stand before him uh, and, and Alex, uh, so I, I love this passage. It came on every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They were awestruck. They were, this is unreal. And they all believed they were together and had all things in common. Uh, I, I love that. This is a community, not communism, not forced but right, right. together, coming together, willful choice of sharing. Hey, would you share my with my food today? Could could mm-hmm. I invite you? You don't have a place to stay. We've got this place here in Jerusalem, and we have an extra bed. You want to come uh, and spend yes. the night over here? Alex, that was the sense of what was going on, wasn't it? Well, it, it is, and, and some have said it's communism, but it's definitely not communism. And I just want to say this. In fact, for uh, Karis Bible College, I wrote an entire semester-long course on a Christian response to socialism. And I want to say unequivocally, because I know I get this question with college students a lot, no, no, the early church did not practice socialism. The early church did not practice Marxism or communism. It wasn't forced. It wasn't coerced. Um, it certainly wasn't a welfare state at all. But the Christians did help each other. And, Bert, that's one of the beautiful things. Uh, God's people uh, have, or at least they should have, a good work ethic. Yeah. And prosperity is a good thing. Uh, poverty is not necessarily piety, okay? 
prosperity is a good thing because when God blesses you, you can bless others. I mean, Amen. you know? Amen. And um, I want to tell you, and I'm only speaking for myself here, but uh, Alex McFarland, I'm a capitalist. I believe in hard work. I think it's wonderful that uh, the Lord lets us enjoy the fruits of our labors, but God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. And let me say, folks, there is nothing Christian about the current bent towards socialism and a welfare state and rewarding inactivity and non-working. That is not biblical at all. So please don't read the generosity of the early church in Acts 2, 45 and 46. Please don't let anybody uh, mislead you that that's some sort of socialism, not at all. Amen. And we're going to see this throughout the book of Acts. The widows that we find in chapter 6, uh, we find them needing help and the church doing that. And then it got a little out of line. They said, we don't need to get this out of line. We need to take care of them all. And it was, again, here is what they did voluntarily. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them all as anyone had need. Now, again, if you put that with the church at Thessalonica when some people were waiting on the Lord to come back and they said, well, we won't work. We'll just sit on the sideline and wait for him to come back. Paul wrote to them and says, if they don't work, they don't need to eat. He yeah. takes a strike at such a thought of not you, you working. Can, when you read Paul's assessment of that, it's almost as if Paul said, look, you can sit there and stare at the sky if you want to, not working, but uh, don't look to us to pay your bills, you know, Amen. if men won't work. That's exactly um, what he was saying. And notice this. This is so powerful. Sold their possession and goods and divide them among all. Uh, listen, if you watch communism and you know socialism, you'll have the elite. The elite are those that are in charge, those that if you look at Russia and what the, or the Soviet Union, when they were in power, you'll see what the party leaders did man they could go to the crimea they could go to the black sea and they could have great summers during that period of time while the people that were the common people in russia were working their their selves and working and yes it was not com it was not capitalism and it was wrong and it says they divided among all as anyone had need and alex uh, they they were not trying to live off of one another but they were sharing with one another. There's a difference. It comes from that point. Yes, I need a hand up, not a hand out. And I know wow. those are all cliches, but when you read this, you see how the church and even a community should work, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Two things here as Acts chapter 2 wraps up. Verse 46 talks about, you know, con continuing daily in the temple, breaking bread. There's fellowship, I love this, with gladness and singleness of heart. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Remember the Lord prayed, Father, that they all may be one, that the world may believe thou hast sent me. Um, let me tell you, folks, if you're in a church and there's unity and singleness of heart, and you love just being together. And sure, you have, you have covered dish potluck dinners, you have worship, you serve. Um, I, I've said this, Bert, that um, you know I I got saved, and I really learned what friendship is yeah. because being a part of the family of God. And I, I've been so blessed to have lots of loved ones and friends. But I want to tell you that to be a part of the family of God. 
is such a precious thing. Singleness of heart. Okay, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Yay. Uh, People, listen, when the Spirit of the Lord has control of a church, it will draw the world like a magnet, won't it? It really will. And again, you've already mentioned continuing daily. Uh, This is what was happening. This is the pouring of God. Alex, I I wasn't around during this time, but I knew about the camp meetings, especially that came up in the Methodist church uh, in the 1800s. Now, they had them in the Baptist as well. But we would read about like, and this is why, this is an old school. This is going way back here in the South. We would have revivals, and it'd usually be in August. And uh, I would hear preachers say, well, you can have revival anytime. They don't have to be in August. But the reason it had become that way, it was a farming community. And people, have you ever heard laid by the crop? They would have their crops, quote, laid Laid by. by. That means that they had the cotton planted, the soybeans planted, the corn planted, and they could take time out before harvest. This is the maturing time. And they would have one to two to three weeks there in the month of August usually, and they would come together at these camp meetings, and they would do what they did here. They would continue in the apostles' doctrine. They would have preaching. They would fellowship one with another. They would share the food that they had with one another, and they would pray and seek the Lord. It was That's where it came from. And uh, so these things are just so rich because uh, this is what the church ought to be doing. They may not can set aside two weeks in August, but each time when the church gathers together, there would be that preaching. There's that praising God for what he's done. There's that sharing with one another the needs, the prayer time, finding out what needs they are and sharing it in that small group and say, oh, Joe over here, you know, we found out today he had to go to the hospital and he's at home. And they said, well, man, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take food for him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Alex, what they did there is a pattern by which we need to look at what we're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Amen. Well said. Well said. And, uh, you know, I just thank God for the church. Uh, it, it is such a positive thing in any community. It really is. And uh, by the way, I'm going to give the number, folks. In just a few minutes, we'll open up the phones and uh, I, let me brag on our listeners because here in recent weeks we have had the best questions. I mean, we get so many good questions. And by the way, if you want to call in with a Bible question, the number is triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. But chapter three says now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb, in other words, he was crippled since birth, uh, whom they laid daily at the temple which the gate, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. That this man sees Peter and John, and he asks for alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us, and gave heed to them, expecting to receive something. Then Peter said, Silver and gold 
have I none. In other words, I don't have any money to give you. But such as I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately the man's feet and ankles received strength. And he doesn't just stand. He <laughs> jumps up and down, doesn't he? Leaping Bert. up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. He could do two or three things at one time, Alex. This man's life was completely changed. He thought he was maybe, man, if I can get one coin out of them, wouldn't that be awesome? He got more than that, didn't he, Alex? Amen. Uh, Hey, do me a favor, if you would, read verses 9 and 10. Acts 3, 9 and 10. This is great. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. Alex, this man's life was changed, and it leads to what? More testimony. Amen. Peter didn't waste opportunity, did he? That, that's true. That That's true. And the, the power of God, you know, um, one of my heroes in terms of apologetics, 800 years ago, Thomas Aquinas, and uh, he lived 1225 to 1274. And uh, one time he was in Rome, and he was seeing all of this gold and finery, and somebody giving him a tour said, well, look at all this. No longer can we say, silver and gold, have I none? Thomas Aquinas said, yeah, and also, no longer can you say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. <laughs> Folks, in, in the journey, let's not forget the source of our power Amen. and the, one of our, the focus of our message is Jesus. I always want to share with you, I don't care what you're doing, eating, preaching, teaching, playing, make much of Jesus. Hey, we're going to take your phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Somehow you see through my heart And you welcome me with open arms Just as I am In the good and the bad You still understand Well, tomorrow uh, we'll pick up again with Acts 3. Well, actually, we won't. I misspoke. Tomorrow is going to be Fireway Friday, isn't it, Bert? It is. It's Friday, and I'm telling you, we look forward to that. That means Monday we'll continue in Chapter 3. Exactly, exactly. But right now we are going to go to calls and questions. The number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And we will begin in a beautiful state called Minnesota. I've been up there a few times. Kath, uh, Kelly from Minnesota, are you there? Yes, I'm right here. Yes, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you for uh, actually answering the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. What What's your question today, Kelly? Uh, I, have a, I have a problem with the, okay, Lord, how shall we pray? Oh, our Father who are in heaven, right? But my problem is, how do I pray for myself and maybe my family when so many other people have a way worse than me? Am I selfish to, to pray for just you know, me and my family and like my neighbors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kelly, thank you for your call. I want to tell you an experience I had in the fourth grade. Now, Alex, this is before I was a, I became a follower of Christ. Uh, Ms. Velma Strange and 
we were back then you took health or hygiene and she was teaching about that and how you should do that and you should take care of yourself brushing your teeth combing your hair clean up so that when things happened you don't have to be so concerned about yourself you've already done those things necessary so you can help with others you remember being on an airplane and they say if something happens and those airbags come says First, put your airbag on so you can help and be ready to help your child or someone who needs help. But you better take care of yourself first. Now, not in a selfish way, Kelly, not in a selfish way, but we do need to take care of ourselves. And the Bible says, he that cares not for his own is worse than an unbeliever, an infidel. Mm -hmm. So we are to take care of ourselves, and but not to the exclusion of others, are we, Alex? That's right. And Kelly, let me say this. It's not selfish to pray and ask the Lord to bless you and help you. And I'll tell you why, because God is unlimited, you know? Now, we can help others, and we, uh, in in a myriad of ways, we can help others. But God is not a finite pie. You know, socialism, I mentioned earlier, socialism, and I've had people at universities kind of say this. They'll say, you know, you had a meal tonight, and on the other side of the world, somebody went hungry. It doesn't work that way. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things. Our God is a God of unlimited increase. Um, Bert, I, I really think that ju- just like, you know, when, when Wilbur and Orville Wright, they figured out how to make a, an airfoil, a wing, and everybody said, nobody realized that you could split the air and it would cause lift. There are properties in this world that we've probably only tapped a fraction. And God can heal one person, and that doesn't mean his power is diminished. He can still heal you. God can provide for everybody. So it's not selfish to pray for yourself because our source, our God, is unlimited. Amen. Uh, Richard in Virginia. Richard, you're on Exploring the Word. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Welcome. All right. Good, good, good. Hey, I listen to you guys pretty much every day. I really appreciate your ministry. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank God you, bless you. Okay. Right, you ready for my question? Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, brother. We'll see. Okay. I don't know if you can really hear me because uh, this is the first time I've ever talked on my phone like this with my car. So... Uh, I hope this goes through. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. You guys talk about the return of the Lord. What specifically are you talking about? Because I look at the fact that the next event that's going to happen is the rapture, which where the Lord meets us in the air, and then he takes us to his home. I and. So is that what you're referring to whenever you talk about the return of the Lord, or are you talking about the return to earth and having the the, 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 the millennium? Okay, yeah. Great call, Rich. Let me answer that, and I'm answering it with a little bit of humor. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We we do, and sometimes we do not. uh, Alex, we do not make it as plain as Richard has just said. We're waiting for his return in the clouds, 
Mm-hmm. And then after that, we'll wait for his return to earth. We're, we're waiting on those two things, but the rapture first, right? That, that's right. And, you know, it's one of those things that um, you can say it simply, but you could spend a lot of time explaining it in depth. Christ is coming back. I mean, First Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace sanctify you wholly, preserve your spirit, soul, and body without blame until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the Bible talks about the coming of the Lord, it's talking about the return of Christ. Do you know, um, really in 20 verses in the Gospels, 20 times Jesus references his own return to the earth. Um, Now, rapture, this is what I believe, very briefly, there is going to be the catching away, the rapture of the church, uh, caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I believe that. The seven-year tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, at the Battle of Armageddon, and this is really the climactic moment of world history, but Christ returns to vanquish the armies of the Antichrist, and then begins the thousand-year millennium of literal peace on earth. It's Eden restored. Uh, but in, in Matthew twenty-four forty-two, it says, Be alert, for you do not know the day in which the Lord is coming. So, Bert, the return of Christ, there is the return, but there's the rapture. But let me just say this. Christ is coming back, and we need to be ready. That's the message, being ready. And uh, no man knows the seasons. We know we're in the last days. We've been that a long time. We believe we're in the last of the last days. We know that we're closer today than we were yesterday. Now, I know that's a cliche, but live each day knowing that this could be the day. Amen. Well, uh, we're going to go to Kimberly in the great state of Mississippi. Kimberly, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. I just wanted to say that I listen to AFR all day. I drive all day. That's my job. And when 3 o'clock rolls around and I get to hear you and Mr. Burt, it's like sunshine comes out of the, of the speakers because everything all day to me is a little heavy and secular on a certain level and we're dealing with the news and I just get overwhelmed. So when I hear the two of you really digging into scripture, it lifts my heart. And I have a question in how do we deal with this overwhelmed feeling with where our country and world and all this secularism is going? I have a son and I tell you, I worry to death. Yeah, I understand. Hey, Kimberly, thank you. Let me just tell you this. Our our uh, president, Tim Wildman, understood what you were talking about. He said himself, at 3 o'clock, he's ready for some relief. And he it was his idea to say we need a Bible study to lift people up. And God brought together Alex McFarlane, and at first it was Marvin Sanders, but then Marvin went on to build the Lord, and I had come to AFR and AFA, I, let me say, I felt like I came for such a time as this, Alex. And, Amen. And God has placed Bert and Alex together. Uh, we didn't know each other before we started doing radio together. We had never, together. ever met. No. And, and we found kindred spirits, a love for the Word of God, the love for Jesus Christ. And, and 
thank you for noticing that and it coming out. And Alex, living in this present world, listen, be of good cheer, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. Kimberly, it, it, the Bible, this is not catching God off guard. God yeah. is not ignorant of what's going on. He's aware, but he has equipped, uh, listen, he has equipped believers to live in the day in which we live, hasn't he, Alex? He really has, and Kimberly, God bless you, and and we feel very honored that you would listen, and uh, uh, for those kind words, we we sincerely thank you. Um, 35 years ago, I was a brand new believer, uh, like 21 years old, there was a dear elderly minister named Edsel Huffstetler. Bird, how's that for a name? Edsel <laughs> Huffstetler. What would you call him, Brother Edsel or Brother Huffstetler? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the funny thing, um, he was of German extract, and he was a pastor, and he called himself a German shepherd because <laughs> Edsel Huffstetler. But here's what he told me, and this was 35 years ago. He And he was quite elderly even way back then. But he said during the time of Adolf Hitler, people – they said, oh, obviously, this guy must be the Antichrist. He's part Jewish. He hates the church. He hates the Jews. He's bent on world do- domination. And he, he told me about how, you know, in, in, the, in the late 30s and early 40s, everybody knew, surely the world is over. And, well, it wasn't. It was, you know, many more decades. Mr. Huffstetler, Reverend Huffstetler is in heaven now 30 years. Here's my point. I know things look bleak, but our God is in control, and the times and the seasons are in the hands of the Lord, and we don't despair, and we rejoice. And yeah, I'm concerned. I'm deeply concerned about the USA. But you know what, Bert? Every day is a joy because we we are children of the King, and I assure you, despite what the headlines might indicate, the king is on his throne. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. Amen. He is we risen. Do. Amen. Uh, Don in Texas. Welcome, Don. Uh, we love the Lone Star State, let me tell you. Yeah, I have a question concerning the return of Christ. He talks about all these signs and wonders that could deceive even the elect. There's all these uh, UFOs and images. I mean, these things the fighter planes are catching on radar and supposedly. I mean, does that have anything to do with this? Why, how do you explain those things if they're real? Okay. Let me, let me go ahead. Let Alex. me weigh in on this. Yes. You know, Matthew twenty four twenty four is the verse you refer to, and let me let me tell you the thing to watch out for is some of these what are called deep fake AI. There's there's a speech online of Richard Nixon right now talking about astronauts dying on the moon, and it's absolutely fake. And it is astonishing how accurate it is. That's why you need to believe the Bible. Um, let, let me say this. As we get nearer and nearer the time of end, uh, the end, the Bible says Satan will be very active because he knows his time is short. Um, there are, listen to this, there are Bible apps out right now that leave out the verses condemning homosexuality. And that's why, folks, and I know we all use computers, but get you a Bible and read it and know it. Be so intimately familiar with the Word of God that any electronic trickery will not deceive you. 
Alex, you remember what they said about the U.S. Treasury when counterfeit they the counterfeit experts do not study counterfeit bills. They study the real thing that they mm-hmm. know what the real thing has and is, and then when they fall, see one that is false, they can recognize it. Know Jesus, stay in his word, trust the Holy Spirit, be accountable in a church, a small group, hold each other accountable, and grow in the Lord. That's what you do anytime, anywhere, at any place. Charlie in North Carolina, my home state. Yay, North Carolina. Welcome, Charlie. So glad to be on with you guys. I really appreciate uh, listening to you and uh, especially uh, referencing uh, all the Bible verses that are so uh, so on target. My question is about uh, miracles. And, um, you know, it seems like uh, in, in the United States, there's fewer and fewer instances of miracles that are are brought to the surface, I guess, in the media. And my question is, do you think as time has went on from the fall of man to now, miracles have diminished or have they increased? Or just what do you think about that? Charlie, let me, I'm going to do this quickly. I ain't got a lot of time, Alex. I'll not take a lot of time. But let me say this. If you look at miracles in the Old Testament, you look at the miracles in the book of Acts and other times, you'll find they seem to come in groups. Uh, not all the prophets did miracle. There's not an episode of Amos doing a great, great miracle or anyone, but Elijah and Elisha did in the New Testament. We find out at times Paul could, you know, they could heal, but yet some of those men that came to him, they'd been sick a long time and could not. Miracles is one of those things. It was a good sign for Christ, but you better not build your life upon them. Go ahead, Alex. Got about a minute, brother. Uh, thank you, Bert. Well, and thank you, Charlie, for calling in. In Matthew nine twenty nine, Jesus is healing somebody, and he said he touched their eyes, saying, "According to your faith, be it unto you." Um, his level of blessing often rises to our level of expectation, and I think some of the miracles we don't see. It's not because God has changed or God can't, but I just think people don't. A lot of times in America, people just don't lean on God and believe God for great miracles. But this preacher believes in miracles. In fact, I depend on them. Amen. I believe. I remember that old song. It took a miracle to put all the things in space, but the greatest miracle of all is when he saved my soul. And I'm not diminishing all the others, but that is the greatest work of Christ is changed lives. Those are miracles. Alex? Fire away Friday tomorrow. You ready? I'm I'm all excited, folks. Tune in tomorrow. It'll be all questions for all of the hour. May God bless you, and thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.